0: It is time for some Magic Meredith Monday on a new week of Sojourn. Stay with us.
1: Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. Really looking forward to this discussion. Yes,
0: Magic Meredith. For Magic Meredith Monday, just to start everyone's week on the right note, we're going to be thinking about Klein on multi-perspectivalism. Not only is that a cool like title for a paper thing, but it's actually a great tongue twister and uh, a great thing to say on your way to work in the morning. You know, Even out loud, if you're on the train, just yell it out. <laughs> Klein on multi-perspectivalism, uh, or even the, I suppose the official title was a paper pursuant to the faculty forum of February 28th, 1986 at Westminster Theological Seminary in California. Boom. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Um, But uh, yeah, I've been wanting to get into this for a while because I've just been, uh, man, Frame and Klein, just been been in my wheelhouse. Um, And this is really the one, this is the one where, this is all we have, I think, where where Klein directly sort of mentions Frame and um, goes after him a little bit and uh, in light of the theonomy debate and and makes some really good points, just some killer points. It it really does get to, uh, I I read this thing about it, I don't know. Uh, a few times, the first time I, I I could not understand a single thing Klein was saying. The second time, <laughs> um, I, had, I started to get a rough outline. And um, and it towards the you know 10th time or so, I I, I really just said, it dawned on me, he is getting to the bottom of this. It is amazing. It's just, um, uh, I, I'm excited to get into, especially this will fit well. I mean, I don't know, uh, Chris, you're probably not listening to our uh, Two Kingdom Tuesday discussion, but I've been going through the Escondido Theology um that chapter 5 where where frames kind of going after Klein and um and so this this really does form a great response to much of what frames saying um and gets to the very very bottom of it um in terms of his covenant theology now before we get going um do you know would you do you think it'd be fair to say that the frame is more or less because it seems like what what what, what Klein's going to um, deal with here is is frames covenant theology and it, it's it's probably a standard standard uh, dish, how do you say that, standard dish, um, kind of uh, Neo-Kyperian covenant theology? Or would you say it's it's quite an anomaly in that sense?
1: Mm. That's a good question, because I'm not sure that I ever heard Frame articulate a cohesive, like a, a comprehensive covenant theology. Right. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, I I don't think he would have agreed with a a John Murray.
0: Right, exactly. And where would you put John Murray in in, in light of Hmm. Neo-Kyperianism?
1: I I wish I knew more about Neo-Kyperianism, but I I guess I get the sense that even the Neo-Kyperians would recognize a covenant of works at the beginning with Adam, and Murray just wasn't willing to go there.
0: Right. Totally. Yeah. So even, yeah. Interesting. Cause uh, frame is willing, uh, happy to sort of give some lip service to it, but, but, uh, you know, it dies a thousand qualification death, you know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, but the thing is, I mean, with the Neo-Kyperian thing, you basically, and this is why I, I think frames more or less there, it's a pretty standard sort of where you've got the creation for redemption, like without the consummation thing you know it's basically they leave the Mm -hmm. consummation out and um and i know frame wouldn't be happy with just saying well talking about himself as post-millennial in a strict way or um but it's it's almost like you know the idea is uh grace perfects nature um so we're gonna basically take back what was ours originally and um and so you really just have throughout the the history of redemption just varying applications of that same idea um you know, until so we now have the full story and the full takeover is is really before us. That's why you know the cultural mandate is really you know we get to do it all again and uh, and to the degree that we succeed, we'll bring in that that sort of final phase. Um, and and it's only after we we reach this uh, whether you want to call it a millennium of 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 peace or uh, or something else, you know, just the triumph of the church. Uh, ultimately, you know, we hit that fa- that 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 final grandiose conclusion before Jesus comes back. And so I think more or less frame fits into that really well from everything I've read. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely.
0: Cool. Well, anyways, I thought that might be worth uh, mentioning up front because, um, you know, just as, as um, I love the way Klein talks about frames um, theology as republicationist. (laughs) Have you seen that?
1: Yeah. And, you know, it struck me as I was reading this um, in preparation for, for this episode that um, this might be the only place where Klein uses the term republication. Wouldn't is that be ironic? Frame.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. And he does not mean republication in the way that we're talking about it. So. Uh, right, right. Man, that's funny. <laughs> I'm like, of all the words, <laughs> of all the words, Meredith, <laughs> you know, did you have to go and desecrate republication? Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let's, let's, uh, I'll read the first paragraph, and then we'll stop and make some comments. Um, Okay, so this is, as I said, the paper pursuant to the faculty forum. He says, after our faculty forum on Theonomy, wouldn't you have loved to be there for that one? Uh, (laughs) But after our faculty forum on Theonomy, I thought a follow-up paper would be useful, particularly to treat the opening sections of the discussion guide provided by John Frame, which were bypassed at the forum. Um, I also thought it would be appropriate to communicate with Vern Poitras, whose three tapes on theonomy were among the source materials for the forum, especially since I had made some criticism uh, criticisms of his approach, uh, even though appreciating his contribution to the discussion along biblical theological lines and the way he eventually comes down in clear opposition to the radical conclusions of the theonomic politics. Uh, these two objectives have been combined in this one response paper to save some time and effort by avoiding inevitable repetitions. Hopefully, this paper may serve as a stimulus to our continued study of the issues together. Amen. Thank you, Meredith. It will indeed. <laughs> we will be stimulated. Um, okay, so do you know anything about uh, what what um, was being sort of... Do you know anything about that forum at all that you can add to this?
1: <coughs> Very little, except that I, I, I think that what came out of it is... A book that is no longer in um, in print oh, the, that was the basically yeah. Oh man, I need um, that book.
0: Where do I get that book?
1: It's like five hundred <laughs> bucks on Amazon. I know. Uh, uh, you may be able to find used copies on some other sites, like maybe eBay yeah, or they're like five hundred bucks or something. Like yeah, that. it's like uh, everyone
0: knows. It's it's crazy. I've been looking. No libraries even have it. It's weird. You know, not even like I think there's one oh
1: uh, yeah. Mm, I bet you could find a Westminster's seminary California student that could maybe help you out with that. That's true. Yeah. I like
0: just, just get him to, to scan every single page and sent it, it to me well i didn't say that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it and um i just need to find a very dedicated very committed westminster <laughs> student uh, someone who who loves me greatly and is willing to page through every single uh page there yeah no all right cool so yeah okay so that was that 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 was the book that came from this you reckon i think so oh wow man now i've really got to get that book that's interesting um Okay. Um, and the thing uh, mentioned by, uh, at least from Vern Poitras, and by the way, the other day I said Vern Sheridan Poitras. It's not Sheridan, it's Sheridan. The reason I was thinking <laughs> Vern Sheridan Poitras is because it just sounds more mathematical. And he was like a math ah. genius, like a Sheridan triangle. That sounds like like a real thing, right? <laughs> but a Sheridan triangle. I mean, what is that even? It's nothing. But we'll just call him Vern for now. Uh, he had three tapes on on Theonomy, um, and is that would would that be what now is um, Shadow of Christ and the Law of Moses? Mm. I really honestly don't know. Really? Um, I know that Frame really likes uh, that book, uh, Shadow of Christ and the Law of Moses, and that he 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 supposedly sort of finds a a really helpful you know middle way with regard to all of this. So I'm thinking that must factor in somehow. Um, so I might circle back on that one later. <coughs> he
1: he did say in class that he and Poitras were soulmates, um, <laughs> and and he would make reference to multi perspectivalism that way. Wow! But um. I have uh, Kleinian friends that I graduated with who said, uh, I haven't actually read much Poythras myself, but right. they say that Poythras' multi-perspectivalism yes. is actually much easier to deal with totally. than Frame's tri-perspectivalism.
0: Yeah, you don't go crazy looking for threes everywhere. You know, you just you, <laughs> you just basically, it's like a, you know, in many ways, I'm, I, I've always said, um, in fact, the last time I mentioned his... Um, Name was I think talking about a um, article on the spiritual gifts, which was basically where he you know interestingly probably did something similar to what's going on here in this article um, between Gaffin and Grudem on the spiritual gifts at that time and sort of you know blew it up and showed a million different points of nuance and kind of you know made made it made it uh, made made you know by the time you get to the end of that article you're like oh wow you know we're all on the same team they're just different perspectives <laughs> uh which i suppose we, we should have expected going into that but you know the difference i was thinking about it the difference between that article and um the the conclusion he he does uh draw from that i don't know if you have you read that chris the, it's called like analogous no. giftings okay never mind but if you uh, do if anyone listening uh does want to check it out um i think that one of the differences to to what's happening what we we will eventually cover in this article and what happens in that article is i think like there he actually does a good job and and the reason for it and klein will bring this out soon enough is that where you know there he he sort of shows uh that that both people are missing a central point in the debate and actually actually lands on good theology in the process um yeah as clients shows in the name of showing it to be different perspectives or of the same thing, they actually miss a, a, you know, a very lucid point of theology and, um, and they, they get their theology wrong, which is, you know, you, you can't just cover that up with perspectives. And, um, anyway, so let me just say that up front in case anyone did want to check that out or keep that in mind. Um, okay. So, uh, what else do we have to say about this one? The two objectives. Thank you, Meredith. You've combined the two objectives into one so there can be less, Confusion. All right. You know this is going to be good. Clients thinking yes. of two things in one thing. Oh, boy. Hold on to your <laughs> seats. All right. You ready to go a little further there, Chris, or any other comments on their own? Let's do it. All right. At the forum, he says, I stressed the importance of starting with something that is indisputably held by theonomists and is more of a distinctive and climactic tenet for them, namely their contention... That it is a function of the state to suppress and eliminate those who practice false religions. In my judgment, to impose such a role on the state would be, in effect, to on the Great Commission. As I see it, this Reconstructionist program contradicts the essential biblical ethos and the ethic of the church in this present world. Theonomists disagree. They see this program as the fulfillment of their millennial aspirations. Um, one one can take a stand with one side or the other in this dispute, but what one cannot do is pass off the conflict as just a matter of varying emphases, as just a relative difference of position on some continuum. Nearly the uh, sorry, Clearly the difference is substantive, uh, a difference not of degree but of total contrast. It is not simply a matter of minor disagreement as to how to apply some general principle in a given situation. It is not a matter of... Uh, some general principle of justice at all, but rather of the particular precise functions that divine revelation assigns to specific institutions, theocracy, state, church. The defining of the nature, functions, and historical mission of these institutions constitutes a major element in the content of biblical law, each covenantal corpus of law being indeed institutionally specific. And dividing theonomists sharply from their reform critics is a radical difference of judgment as to the functions appointed by the scriptures to the several institutions. All right. So that's a mouthful of lyrics right there. Um, okay. Starting at the top <coughs> of that paragraph again, um, I like the way he reasons in that, you know, you got to get to the bottom of this thing ultimately in that we could compare and see, uh, overlaps in many different ways. Like, wow, they're all Calvinists. Yay, They all live Jesus wow, that's amazing. You know, look how look how close uh, everyone is. But he, but he's saying, you know, much in the same way that you would approach, um, I don't know, dispensationalism and reformed theology, you can't, you can't like make the point of comparison that they all want to see the God, glory of God or something, you know, uh, there has to be a distinctive, uh, what is the, what is the tenet that they're holding on to that's causing all of the uh, the friction, and so I think he gets right to it um, in that that is the thing, right? They want to, um, they want the state to eliminate those who practice false religions. But even even further, as you'll uh, specify, that's coming out of a certain reading of biblical theology or redemptive history. Um, any any first uh, thoughts that come to you there, Chris?
1: <coughs> Just that I appreciate that he's making um, the point so stark mm. because. Um, it really is a yes or no mm. uh position. Uh yeah. you know, should the civil government be eliminating everyone who worships someone other than the triune god of the mm-hmm. Bible? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's yes or no. It's not a continuum in between yes and no. Yeah, good. And even um
0: on that point where you know he says, um, and I suppose that's around the middle day, one can not uh, one can take a stand one side or the other. Um, it, it's it's almost like, I, I suppose, just reading a lot of Frame and then reading this article, I suppose one of my first uh, instincts there were just going, okay, well, there's the possibility that Klein's just being one of those grouchy old, you know, unwilling to <laughs> re- relent sort of people, you know, you know, we do all know people like that where it's just right. like, oh, come on, you know, just loosen up a little bit and just see the other perspective and whatever. And if it's one of those matters, you know, then it's like, okay, well, you know, let's see a frame out and maybe clients Klein- being a little bit of a grouch and, um, you know, we just need to straighten that out. But, you know, in this situation, I think you, the, the rest of the article really does bring out, He's just like, listen, this is what's on the table. You need to look at this. And, you know, if I'm right, then I'm definitely right on this. There is no there is no middle ground. And, you know, added to what you just said in that, you know, even at that end point of the climactic tenant of theirs, um, you know, it's either yes or no. You know, it's not just a matter of, of varying degrees. But I think as I've read a lot of the Neo-Kyperian stuff as well, I mean, they're, they're basically, you know, when they look at um, Mosaic law and they see the difference in, you know, of Israel in the land and, um, like Abraham before that and the church now, um, they're not seeing like what we're seeing in the sense that, uh, you know, there's a whole different principle guiding the people of God, you know, in a theocracy in the land, they're just, you know, and once the people get in, you know, it's just like, it's, it's not the same as when Abraham was a sojourning sort of patriarchal group, um, Uh, And and so you have, um, you know, they would see everything that's in Moses already there in in the Abrahamic covenant, and, and like now all of a sudden they just have more potential or more um uh, i don't know opportunity to apply these things in their own land and so basically god just gives them a little more detail but it's the same essential thing and they derive from this the principle that basically if you have land you know use the land um and if you don't you got to work with what you got and you know and even when they go into later uh, babylonian exile um that's not necessarily a a different principle of pilgrimage it's it's uh it's just, okay, well, you know, this is how the law applies here in this situation. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, basically he's saying, you know, that's how, that's how the neo are seeing it anyway. They're, they're saying, okay, here we go. You've got all sorts of uh, different ways to apply the law. And so under that rubric, you could see how someone would come along and say, okay, well, Klein's on the, obviously on the one side where, you know, he's seeing a certain way of applying uh, that law, and, and the Theonomists are on the other side. Um, and they're saying, you know, here we are in America, and we got to do what Israel did or whatever. Um, They're all on a continuum of some sort. And Klein's saying, well, that only works if your understanding of uh, redemptive history is as you've presumed it to be, in that it's just all one varying different application,
1: right? Does that make sense? Yes, although, I mean... (sighs) Uh, I, I don't know what Klein would say about Frame's understanding of redemptive history, but I, I never got uh, from Frame that he was very aware of historical progression in in the Scripture. I mean, he right. was trained as a philosopher, so yeah. he was thinking about these things much more abstractly. <coughs> right, totally. and Klein was looking at the concrete situation on the ground as God was. Revealing himself in covenants to people, mm. and I, I think that makes a huge difference
0: here. Totally. Now the thing is, um, and uh, this is mostly out of well, actually, it's out of his doctrine of this always a Christian discipleship doctrine of discipleship frames one that big one, um, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it comes out of that. Uh, but also his um, Escondido theology is dealing directly with client's covenant theology. So I, I suppose what that does is it forces. Uh, frame to just play at that level and just go. Okay, here's where I understand this going wrong. When Klein's making that specific point in Redemptive History, and I think that's where he reveals his cards. And and like I said, you know, I'm just seeing it as being fairly standard neo in that way. Um, he's just, right. he's just sort of saying, well, I'm sick. Cause it, you know, he, he claims at least, or, or I, I think it's probably true that he, um, he appreciates Voss and comes from that Vossian sort of like Murray even, I suppose, you know, uh, Murray was concerned with biblical theology, um, and, uh, Fram certainly cut his teeth on Murray, um, and, you know, cares a lot about that sort of thing. So in that sense, you know, he does care about this, redemptive history thing it's just that it's so mind-blowingly different um it it truly is just like one um it's so so different to what Klein's saying at every turn you know there's just uh this one earth that was lost to the fallen and we pretty much get it back again and and the only reason one little um section of of one covenantal dealing with um Let's say Abraham and Noah, just Noah's in there. You know, we're all just part of a one massive sort of covenant that has various commands that, that seem to be different, but they're just they're just different applications according to the will of the Lord. You know, that were revealed via uh, uh, script, uh, at least a special revelation, and that's it. That's all he wants to see in it. There's, you know, he claims it to be very simple. The problem is, it's just kind of it doesn't get at the bottom of what, what otherwise would seem to be horribly contradictory. And uh, and all the Klein stuff. I mean, Klein spent the whole of Kingdom Prologue building his case, so we don't have to repeat it here. But but just um, you know, there, there are some vivid things in the Bible that lead you to see a um, well a non-republicationist scheme. What what do you think uh, Frame means by or what Klein means by republicationist? I know we're not quite there yet,
1: but um, you want to have a crack at that? Well, I mean, it could just be. Um, the way I'm reading it from our situation today, but the the way I took it was that Frame was using that term to describe what Klein meant about the uh, typological covenant works in the mosaic covenant. Do you really? Okay, uh,
0: I wasn't reading that at all. So I mean, I don't know. That might be okay. right. What I was getting from from this whole thing was that you know that he was that basically Klein was just calling uh, frames. Um, you know, again, the republicationist idea, meaning this almost this one, the, there's this one covenant that continually is republished in every covenantal oh. administration. I think that's, and that was that's why I'm saying it's sort of de- desecrated, you know, because Klein oh. has used the term that everyone's using on him. I didn't even know if they were using it at that time or something, because that would make it deeply weird that he said that. But um, mm-hmm. perhaps it was just prior to all of that, or I don't know, where where he used this term to talk about frames kind of like yeah just i, I don't want to say mono covenantalism because that puts it into a whole strict category but but just there there is one outworking it's the same every single time it's just applied differently you know mm-hmm. that's why there's no such thing as theocracy and theonomy and that's why it's all a continuum
1: that makes a lot of sense to me i Does mean it? that would okay. be a very a very kleinian way of saying mono covenantalism okay just we say, yeah Take one abstract concept of covenant and just republish it every time there's a new generation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> classic.
0: So yeah, like, like yep. I said, I it was just, its just like I don't know if he was having a dig there or something. Like I don't know, was he? Was mm. when, when would he? Uh, when would he have come under some? I mean, obviously, it would have been around the same time, right? Because the whole republication thing was against the theonomy debate, and so surely the doctrine of republication, or is that just a word that we came up with later?
1: I'm not sure where that word originated, but I mean, Lee Irons has made the point that it was not a word that Klein used to describe his own position. I wonder if it's what others
0: were using to describe his position at that point, though.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering.
0: Yeah, anyways, because because if I think, uh, yeah, I can't help but see a tongue-in-cheek kind of, you know, you want republicationist? I'll give you republicationist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but okay, so that's that. And... Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's why I think he's saying uh, one can take a stand with one side or the other, you know, uh, but you can't say it's on this continuum. You could only, it, because to say that would be to presuppose, uh, an, like John Frame's or, or you know, the, the opposing party's covenant theology or, or at least biblical theology. It would, you know, that's the only way you're going to get to a continuum. To begin with, you're gonna, you're not gonna be able to do it via client system. So if Klein's right, that can't be right. You got to choose one or the other. But anyways, uh, that let us put that forward as a working hypothesis at this point. Okay. Uh, all right. Turning to Frame's discussion, he says, um, or discussion guide, he starts with the assertion that the mosaic law, including its penal sanctions, uh, had the functions one of republishing the creation ordinances and the Noahic and Abrahamic covenant stipulations, and two, of applying these principles to the new situation introduced by the Exodus, with its cultural and redemptive historical differences from what went before. Then, on the basis of this interpretation of the Mosaic Law, he concludes that there is both continuity and discontinuity between the Mosaic Law and what preceded and follows it. So that's kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier, Um, that accordingly total continuity or total discontinuity is ruled out and that the differences between Bonson and Klein, I love the way he refers to himself in the first person, that's awesome. Uh, (laughs) Klein are are perforce only um, relative differences as to the degree of continuity or discontinuity recognized by each. Um, So yeah, I kind of actually should have read a little bit on before making my spiel earlier on, but I think that's kind of what he's getting at. You know, that republication deal that the creation audiences of the Noahic and Abrahamic uh, covenant stipulations um, are, are mm. basically just
1: brought out again, you know. Okay, I can see why you say that now. I guess when I read it, I was just uh, totally a slave to my current situation. Cool. <laughs> totally a slave
0: to your current situation. I like that. Aren't we all though, Chris? Aren't we all? yes yeah totally um all right so um what was i gonna say Uh, in terms of um so so that's kind of you know he's saying um i just uh, did read that fast in case you're listening through this for the first time um and by the way you can get this on the website the the um Meredith G Klein resource site and it's it's called Klein on perspectivalism so if you feel overwhelmed by what we're reading over here which I don't blame you for um, go ahead and, and just dig up that article and read it slowly um, but again just you know the whole thing there I'm thinking just to just to be clear on what I think he's saying is that um, that when he says uh the Mosaic law including its penal sanctions, had the functions, one, of republishing the creation ordinances and the Noahic and Abrahamic covenant stipulations. Uh, in other words, it's just putting it all on the table again without any difference except extending it. And of two, applying these principles so that's not it's not some unique sort of mosaic period that we're dealing with now. Uh, as a foreshadowing of the of the kingdom and uh, operating under the theocratic principle versus a pilgrim principle, uh, rather what you have is just the same generic sort of idea. Uh, now being uh, at these principles of these covenants now applied to the situation uh, introduced by the exodus, and then uh, obviously moving forward from that in the land, and they have this, they have a place now. They're being brought into the land, so the same law, the same thing in. All the way from, um, you know, just right from the beginning through Noah and Abraham are just getting applied with this in view. So that's the whole thing. So the the question then becomes for them, not as to when we're in theocracy or not, it's, you know, which is what we tend to think about as Kleinians, you know, you're in theocracy when you have the land. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about, um, you know, what way should the one single covenant and its law be applied? in our current situation. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it you know, if you have uh, a situation like the States, I suppose, where you know, it sort of it, at one point seemed to, you know, lean uh, or make allowances for, for something like a reconstructionist position, uh, or I suppose in Kelvin's Geneva or whatever, like whenever that can be taken, that seems like a good application of those same laws that would govern us even when we're in a highly pluris- a pluralistic uh, situation or in Babylonian captivity. Um, and and then he says, um, on the basis of the interpretation of the Mosaic law, uh, he's he's providing this sort of continuity or discontinuity. Um, and, and so basically saying that the, the whole Bonson's just on the one side, Klein's on the other side. All they're doing is applying either continuity or discontinuity to theocratic Israel. That's all that's happening. That's the bottom line. Um, And so we just have to make a decision as to who is applying it correctly, you know, or or at least um, who's who's deducing the right principles or from the right principles, the right application, you know, Um, and that's the reader's choice, you know, and and like everyone's entitled to their own conviction on this and and um, and uh, a client saying no, because it's all got the wrong covenantal foundation to begin with. So there we go. Um, hopefully that, that just straightens out what I was saying a little bit earlier. Anyway. Um, am I making sense? <laughs> yeah, I okay. love it. Okay. Brilliant. Cool. Um, it's been, it's been a Sunday. I haven't preached, but it's still Sunday afternoon and <laughs> I got to admit my brain gets a little bit fuzzy around this time. So hopefully that makes sense at least <laughs> to, uh, to someone, um, maybe that's a good place to stop just I'm thinking we might actually be quite far in let's see how long we oh my goodness this is a marathon session as well no wonder i'm getting tired um all right cool well, let's <laughs> let, let well, how far did we get we got three paragraphs that's not too bad i thought we might get stuck on the first line there um all right let's uh let's leave it there chris and we'll come back at, at the rest of it um next week is that cool yeah sounds good to me awesome um any other comments on
1: that paragraph that you wanted to bring out or thoughts for the next week um Well, I hope I don't steal any thunder because um, it's kind of my tradition on the Glory Cloud podcast to steal thunder. But <laughs> yeah, um, uh, you know, Klein's point really does seem to be that look, the one thing that Greg Bonson and I can agree on yeah. is that we completely and totally disagree. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> That's good. So, totally. I mean, yeah, Frame wasn't getting that. Both- <laughs> <laughs> like both no. of them
0: are actually seeing it. Yeah, except for Frame. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah, that's good. Uh what what would be the the book to read? Like what was um you know when Klein wrote that old new era thing? What was what was um what was Bonson's book that he put out? Or was it an article? Theonomy and Christian Ethics. Oh, that's it. Was that a book, was it? Yeah, was it a big book.
1: Um it's about the same size as Kingdom Prologue, oh my but goodness. it's not it's not it's not as difficult to read. Okay. All right. And uh, I think it probably is like for free
0: online now, surely, huh? All those I'm sure you can find it online. All yeah. those Theonomy books are for free, you know, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, they're the one kind of book you can get for free. But anyways, go check it out if you want to read that book. But uh, that would be that would be insanely diligent of you. Uh, well done. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But I do actually want to read it eventually. I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know, it's just going to be a difficult, difficult thing to stay tuned in on that. But it would be interesting to see a consistent kind of presentation of this from beginning to end. Um, and then the other thing, uh, just before we go, uh, Chris, any comments on your uh, Twitter feed going uh, at the moment? I know you, you and a um, lot, <laughs> a lot of, lot of controversy happen, happening these
1: days with. Um, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, I, yeah i yeah i i debated in my own mind whether to bring this up earlier in in our <laughs> conversation or not but it is somewhat related to what we've been talking about yeah. um just because i've been trying to take people who have been wanting to punish people for one particular um gross and and completely disgusting practice yeah which I agree is is disgusting, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that the state needs to be making a law against it. And so I'm saying, well, look, if, if you think that, then what do you think about idolatry? And mm-hmm. in my mind, if they're consistent, they need to say, well, we need to have the state make laws against idolatry. And so I've been pressing them on what idolatry means. Mm-hmm. And they, especially Americans, get really terrified of the implications of that because Mm. uh, it it really, I mean, uh, Klein points this out in his article on the old new Mm error when he's writing against theonomy, it turns them into Nazis because um, the, the logical implication is that unbelieving Jews who reject Jesus are by definition, idolaters and the state needs to be according to theonomy, the state needs to be making laws against idolaters including um jews and uh it's just not a a conclusion that they're willing to follow yeah totally man well that's um we
0: we need to do that article as well the old new new era thing that'd be great i would love it yeah that'd be good all right we're we're setting it up we're getting it done um (laughs) okay so if you have no idea what, what what chris is talking about go check his twitter feed because that's what it's, that's what it's there for right you gotta go read it that's and, right um and uh yeah super interesting stuff i'm like i'm just staying away man it's too scary you guys you <laughs> you reform guys are just too crazy for me you know it's just like wow just shouting at each other i'm like uh, dudes
1: guys Whew. twitter uh, too crazy you. for me too i probably should just keep my head down but i'm not wise enough to do that well you it's, it's just like if you want to see the dark side of chris Cahi.
0: You know, it's, it's like, it's like Batman, you know, it's just like, you know, he sounds all nice. He sounds, sounds like such a nice guy online, uh, at least on, on the show, but man, don't, don't let that fool you. Chris will come at you, man. He'll come at you. Um, all right, cool. Let's uh, call it. We've got my neighbors that are starting to shout and all sorts of kids are starting to play outside. So it's starting to make for non-good <laughs> podcasting time. Uh, thanks for joining me, Chris. Appreciate it. My pleasure, man.